On today's podcast, Andrew and I will share our thoughts on which current Detroit Pistons will be on the team next season. Then we'll talk about current fan favorite Christian Wood and who he most reminds us of. Andrew will also throw out a topic after the intro, and then we'll end today's podcast with questions from you, the listeners. Welcome to Off the Field Podcast is brought to you by 1660thefan.com. Currently our only sponsor. Check out Off the Field Podcast on 1660thefan.com. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. Leave a comment. Give us a rating. More importantly, hit that subscribe button. All right, let's get this started. I'm Lance Caprosa. I'm with Andrew from Everything Pistons. How you doing tonight, my friend? Man, I'm doing okay. Full disclosure, though, uh, I am getting over kind of a sickness, so... This podcast uh, might be a little rough. I don't know if you heard of it. I got the uh, coronavirus. Oh, do you? <laughs> no, I don't have. I don't have the coronavirus. But you know who does have the coronavirus? Who? The, the NBA. Have oh. you heard about this whole only essential personnel in the locker room and the whole maybe no fans allowed to attend the game? Yes, I have. I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland, uh, the mayor, I believe, came out and said that they won't have any fans in their stadium. Oh, I didn't know I mean, that. That's crazy. Yeah, that that just came out today. Uh, uh, I think Shams or, or Woj tweeted it out. Um, Cleveland's shutting it down, you know. And so I just wanted to kind of maybe get your thoughts. I know we're a Pistons podcast and a, a Pistons team, and this, I mean, kind of affects the Pistons. I mean, what, attendance will go down from 150 to zero, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, it, it doesn't really affect them, but, like, the teams like the Bucks, and, you know, not playing in front of any fans, how is that going to affect the product? And I guess, you know, putting my host hat on and maybe asking you a question here, just how do you think that's going to affect the NBA? So I think it's, it's going to cost them money. That is for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Like, in – Oh my God, that's hilarious! Yeah, I I'm reading it now. It's I think it's going to cost them money, but then also it kind of takes away the whole idea of home court advantage, especially if this creeps into the playoffs. Like, who are you going to play in front of? What kind of yep. energy are you going to feed off of? That's my biggest concern. Like the product of basketball. I mean, like for us shooting hoops, I'd rather play in an empty gym because I don't need fans watching me and critiquing every little thing I do wrong because I'm not a professional. But to an NBA player, like, this is entertainment, you know? Like, it's kind of like a comedian walking out on the stage and just performing in front of three people. You're not going to get the kind of laughs and the energy you want from the crowd. It's going to be a terrible set. I think it's the same thing in the NBA. You don't have fans to play in front of. One, it's going to cost you money. But then secondly, why even play? Who cares? If nobody's watching, I mean, what what is the motivation behind it? You're still going to get paid, but a lot of these guys— I hear you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I hear you, and you bring up a lot of good points. But as as a as a fan's perspective, as me watching the game, I'm really interested. Uh, the the money and all that, whatever. The NBA is a billion dollar business; they can absorb that. You know, I'm not. Well, you're not going to hurt the NBA's pockets, all right? You know, so I'm I'm really interested to see no fans. 
in an empty arena. I mean, imagine walking into a gym and you're seeing LeBron, Anthony Davis go against Giannis in just a five-on-five full court. Like, I'm interested to see how much court sounds we're going to pick up. You know, I've never had the luxury or, you know, never had the ability to sit court sounds. You know, and that's all I've ever really wanted to growing up. I've sat close enough to the court where I could kind of, you know, pick up the talking and uh, the, you know, talking between the big men and, and their guards. And so watching an NBA game without any fan volume, possibly without announcers, it depends on if they're going to be marked essential. I would assume they would be essential. Um, but I'm really kind of excited to hear people or NBA players talk because I've been a huge advocate for, for a couple of years now. I kind of stopped putting it out there because nobody was really getting behind me, but I would, I would pay extra money for a league pass that was no announcers and not the stupid little above the shot clock camera angle that they do. They throw that in there every now and then. And yeah. ESPN three has that every now and then, but I hate that camera. Angle. Give me a nice mid regular TV feed camera view with no announcers. The only crowd volume that gets picked up is from the mics on the court and we hear the players. I actually, I like that idea. And now that now I'm thinking about it, I would love to hear some trash talk between two players, Mm -hmm. especially right now between too much. Oh, go on. Sorry. There's, there's way too much cussing for that to ever happen. So I don't want to like build that bubble too high. Um, but, yeah, I don't think the NBA would ever allow that due to the, the players cussing because a lot of it gets picked up on the national broadcast as it is. So there's a lot we don't hear. Yeah, but if you could pay extra for, like, an NBA league pass, like you're saying, but, like, a rated R, more mature version. where yeah, it's NBA like NBA after dark. Yes, that would be awesome. I would love that myself. I Seriously, I would love to know who the best trash talkers are, and I don't want to hear it from other players. I want to hear it for myself, you know? I really want to know – Who's like who's picking up on things? Like who's doing their research about players and just digging into them on the court? That's who are the real enemies and who aren't friends? That's what I, I want to know. That happens. I don't think that happens too much anymore. I mean, when you're talking like that, I I immediately think to Reggie Miller, choke sign Spike Lee. I immediately think to Bill Lambeer beating down Michael Jordan and then yelling in his face after. You know, your mind just doesn't go to 2020 basketball anymore. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. The game's evolved, and this is exactly what David Stern and and other commissioners in the NBA had wanted. They want the game to evolve with the time. The kids today want higher-octane offense. So the days of the hard-nosed Detroit bad boys or Detroit 2004 going to work or that really defensive-based team or are kind of done. You don't I I have to but what about like Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond? You don't think Joel now, Embiid, Joel Embiid like does a little research on him first? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, there's definitely trash talking in the league, but it's not presented in a way that Reggie Miller. I mean, Reggie Miller was he did that on live TV. Players would be fined now for it was, you know, taunting a fan. You get fined. I you know, I, I don't know if Reggie Miller got fined or not. But we're talking about a different breed of players. You know, it's not, I don't, I'm not calling these guys soft. I'm calling them smart because they're not beating up their bodies. They're saying, hey, you know, y'all play crazy 
back in your day and yeah, you know, it was rough and tough, but I'm going to take care of my body and make, oh yeah, probably 250 more, 5 million more dollars than you. Yeah, no, they're definitely, so yeah. It, it, it goes back and forth. But if we're just talking strictly mic'd up, I want to <laughs> hear it. That's what I want to hear. Absolutely. I would love to hear an empty court. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I was just kind of thinking about how much money the NBA loses or the loss of home court advantage, but I didn't think about the entertainment value in itself. Like if you're a hardcore fan, you want to hear players talk some trash to each other, even to the coaches. I want to hear what the coaches are saying. You know, I want to hear all that. That's what I want to hear. That's maybe this whole coronavirus thing is a good thing for the NBA. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) But uh, we can get into this right now. So unless you have any more thoughts on the coronavirus in the NBA. No, man. Uh, Host hat is off. Host and, hat is uh, off. And passing it to you. Thank you. That was a great no-look pass you just gave me. Almost fumbled <laughs> it right there. So the Detroit Pistons, they kind of have a mixture of broken-down veterans and some younger players that uh, have played pretty well. But my question to you is, I'm going to read off everybody that's under contract for next season, and then we're going to get into it. Then we're gonna, I'm going to read off the guys that aren't under contract, and we're just going to talk about who stays on the team next year, from the guys that are on non-guaranteed deals. We're not talking about trades. We're not talking about free agents. We're not talking about draft picks. We're strictly talking about guys that are on the team right now. So guys that are under contract for next season, you have Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, Luke Kennard, Seiko, Sfi. I'm counting Tony Snell, even though he has a player option, but he would be absolutely crazy to let go of $12 million. I don't think he's getting paid more than that. Then we have Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Bound. But they are both on non-guaranteed contracts. I believe both those guys get picked up. So I'm just going to say that's eight guys right there that are on the team next year. And then I'm going back to the list. And here are the guys that aren't don't have guaranteed contracts. Jordan McRae, um, Donta Hall. You can count Jordan Bone, Lewis King. Then we can Langston Galloway, John Henson, Brandon Knight. And then fan favorite. Christian Wood. So of those guys, who do you see being on the who of those guys that are on non non that don't have any guaranteed money coming in next year, who do you think is on the team next season? Sorry, that was a lot so, to take in. Yeah. Um I, I think I got you here though. Are we talking end of the season with the team or is on the roster the first game of the season? On the roster, first game of the next se- next season. These are guys, I'll read them off one more time that don't have a con that aren't with the team next year. They only have a contract for 2019 and 2020. It's Brandon Knight, John Henson, Langston Galloway, Jordan McRae, Christian Wood, Donta Hall. And I won't count Jordan Bone and Lewis King because they're on dual contracts. Okay. So I'm not counting Dante Hall either. I'm okay. not his 10 days. So uh, I don't think the Pistons sign him. Uh, long term, uh, Langston. I do think the uh, the Pistons bring back Langston. Uh, he, his career has been really revived in Detroit. His three point shooting has, has vastly improved, uh, and he's just that guy that can get a bucket for you. So I do think it would be very smart for him to come back and sign him as a veteran shooter, a wing player to to maybe develop some draft picks or some younger guys coming in. Langston's a good guy. You never hear about him in the news. 
unless it's for something good. You know, side note, uh, he supports causes like, you know, uh, coats for the homeless. He does things for the community, you know, above and, above and beyond what is is told he needed to do by the NBA. So he's a good guy to have in your locker room. I think you should bring him back. Uh, give me give me a couple more. Um, Jordan McRae and uh, let's see, John Henson. Jordan McRae, I don't, uh, man. So this one's hard because of his ankle sprain. That He went down with ankle sprain, right? I'm, I'm getting that right. No, John Henson did, I believe. John Henson went down. That's right. That's right. Uh, my bad. So Jordan McRae, uh, he came in, did well his first couple games after being uh, uh, claimed really just hours before. So uh, he, he's a toss up to me. I don't know. Um, he hasn't just, he hasn't been with the team long enough for me to say anything about whether he's coming back or not. Uh, this last little stretch will really, really solidify whether he should come back or not. Okay. So what about John Henson? You think he's coming John back? John Henson. Um, man, these are hard questions, man. I know, but we've got small sample sizes of John Henson and Brandon Knight, right? And I mean, I mean, I I'll I'll say yes, I'll say yes because of that interior defense. That's a thing. If I'm a GM, uh, I think I, I think that's how I'm going to look at this and make it a little easier. If I'm the GM of the Pistons, do I bring these guys back? John Henson is the guy I bring back because of his interior defense his willingness to get down and dirty on the court. He'll dive after loose balls. He does those things that you can't teach. You know, if you're a player and you're not willing to dive after loose balls, your coach telling you to dive after a loose ball isn't going to make you do it. You know, those are things you either have or you don't. So, yes, John Henson is the guy I bring back. I believe you said Christian Wood is on that list. That's, of course, we're bringing him back. Um, And the last one was Brandon Knight. Yeah, there's Brandon Knight because you already answered Don. You already talked about Donton Hall. You already talked about Jordan mm-hmm. McRae. Thon Maker actually, he does have a qualifying offer. The team has to basically say they'll bring him back or not. So you can answer Brandon Knight, and then I'll leave you before. Then I'll answer after you answer about Thon Maker and Brandon Knight. Do you think they're bringing yeah, back Brandon so Knight and Thon Maker? Brandon Knight, I think he is. If I'm the GM again. Um, I don't bring him back. Uh, the reason being is just his his injury past, his just age alone. You know, you're we have a clear direction for this team as the GM. Obviously, we want to go young and we want to build through the draft. So, paying a aging point guard that's also injury prone. I mean, you may as well have just kept Reggie Jackson at that point. Yeah. Reggie Jackson scored at a higher clip and had more assists, more rebounds. He, uh, I mean, let's face it, Reggie Jackson is a better player than, than Brandon Knight is at this point in Brandon Knight's career. So I don't bring him back. Don Maker, he has his ups and downs. Uh, I think with bringing back John Henson, that makes Don Maker expendable because John Henson can play that four or that five back up to Wood. Um, and obviously whoever you draft, I've been a big proponent of taking the best center available in the draft. You know, putting him a year behind Christian Wood, 
and Thon Maker would really help a player because Thon Maker does a lot of things well, but he doesn't do anything great. Thon Maker is a really good interior defender. He alters a lot of shots. He's really good at blocking shots because with his wingspan, he stands like 12 feet tall. Yeah. You know, but he knows how to use his size. He's not one of those guys kind of like Boban was in Detroit where he's in, you know, he's there and he's just big and can't really move his feet, you know, not quick. Thon Maker is quick. Thon Maker can defend. He's that, you know, slim trim and, and, Built like a tree, man. He's he's hard to move for as slim as he is. He's a, he's a strong kid. Uh, but I do think with bringing Henson back, that has maybe a better offensive game. Don Maker has nights where he hits a couple threes, but it's not consistent. Uh, John Henson knows what he's good at, and that's what he's going to do. He's good at the back to the basket, the down low, the grabbing the rebounds and putting them back up, kind of like Andre Drummond. Nowhere near that level. But he knows what he's good at, and he sticks to it. I like that. Thon Maker, too, though, he's not as fluid as I would like either. For a guy yeah. as, that's as athletic as he is, he's kind of robotic, which I don't know. But I'm going to get into this. Brandon Knight's the first guy I'm um, picking. I'm not – I don't think the Pistons pick him up. I don't think he's on the team next year. Just because he's going to command too much money, I'm piggybacking what you said. He hasn't played more than 52 games, I believe, since his first season in Phoenix. And he's just been hurt. He's been trade, traded around. He's been banged up. And we've seen, again, in a small sample size during this season, what he's still capable of doing. The dude's a walking bucket. He's a professional. If he's willing to buy in as a third-string point guard, I think that's all right. I don't know what he's willing to do. But also at $15 million a year, it's just too much. I don't know what he's going to command in the free agency market. But I think he's done as a piston during his second stint. John Henson, I think he comes back. I think he's, you know, he's a guy that knows his role. He's a rim roller. He's a rim protector. He's a rebounder. He sets hard picks. And that's it. That's what he's going to do. And for the $9 million price tag he's making right now, I, I would rather have it be a little bit lower, but I don't think it's that bad. And plus you have floor stretchers like Blake Griffin, Christian Wood, even Seiko, and, you know, just those guys right there that can play that stretch four spot. You're going to need a guy down low that can play with either of them, and you're not going to lose the offense. I think John Henson gets brought back. Langston Galloway, I think the Pistons are going to want to bring him back. I don't know if he resigns, though. I think he's shown enough to get a bigger contract from another team, and I think he just doesn't come back to Detroit. Then we're moving on. And plus, you got Luke Kennard coming back. You have Bruce Brown. You have Sfi. You have Derrick Rose. You have a, and then Kyrie Thomas, who I think does get brought back, even though he's also on a non-guaranteed contract. But I think he gets signed, and he's even shown some flashes of being a shot maker in the NBA. So I don't think Langston Galloway gets brought back. I think he's the odd man out, which is unfortunate. I'm a huge Langston Galloway fan. I love watching him in Detroit, but I just think he ultimately moves on to greener pastures and a multi-year contract to another team. He probably goes home to New Orleans. To be honest with you, they're going to need some more guys to stretch the floor along with Zion Williamson. And if they bring Brandon Ingram back, and then you got Jaleel Okafor, Jackson Hayes, got a lot of guys down there that can play down low and create shots for themselves. You just need floor spacers. Langston Galloway fits that mold. So then we're moving on to Jordan McRae. I, again, I don't think he gets brought back. There's too many perimeter players, and who knows who else is on the team, but I don't think it's going to be Jordan McRae. I've loved what he has done 
early on. I mean, in his short stint in Detroit, he's been a guy that can create his own shot. He can create shots for other people. He's a leader. He communicates with people. I love seeing him on the floor, and he's showing people where he likes his passes to be thrown, and he's just a flat-out scorer. I really like his game, but I think he goes somewhere else, probably to a team that's going to offer him more of an opportunity. I don't see him making more than $3 million a year as a bench player. And then we're moving on to Christian Wood. You know how I feel about him. I love Christian Wood. I really want him to be back in Detroit for $10, $11, 12000000 million for three years or whatever you can offer him. But I still have a feeling that he will go to a West Coast team like Portland or a Los Angeles team. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that. Careful. What? I said, careful. I got killed for saying that on Twitter the other day. Oh, that he'll be All leaving? I said was, I, yeah, I, I just, I said the exact same thing. I got a feeling like it's just Christian Wood has too much talent to waste on a rebuild. Yeah. You know, and I think he knows that too. And he is, he said it. He's auditioning for every team out here. You know, he said that we talked about that a few months ago. Yep. You know, so I, I guess I just don't see it like everybody else. People were telling me, you know, look at Booker in Phoenix and all the losing he's been through. Okay, that's not Christian Wood, all right? You don't think there's personalities in the NBA? You don't think Christian Wood knows that he can go to a good team and contribute and win? And probably get as you much know, the same amount of money. Yeah, or more, you yeah. know? And so I just... I think he's gone too, but I would love to have him back just like you. Yeah, I would. Again, I would love to have him back. And I love the comment that he said that he's like, I'm Detroit. I'm Detroit grit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't back down like that little scuffle he had with Julius Randle against the New York Knicks game. But the thing is, it's like, dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, he also, he's a personality. He's from the West Coast. He trains out in Las Vegas. I just listened to an interview with his trainer from Impact Sports. The dude's out in Las Vegas every single year working on his game to get better. Like, why wouldn't he want to be closer to that? Why wouldn't he want to be closer to his personal coach or his family? Like, he's from that area, so why not? So, again, I would love to see Christian Wood back with the Detroit Pistons. I'm hoping that there's a chance that he – the only good thing that they have is he said he's Detroit and – there's not a lot of teams with a whole bunch of cap space. So basically, it's Detroit. Like, you offer him the right amount, and you make him want to stay. And you sweeten whatever deal you need to do. Promise him that he's the starter, that he is the number one option next year. Whatever you got to do to keep him in Detroit, keep him in Detroit. So that brings me to Dante Hall. Um, Honestly, I, I think he's the one guy that I've named that actually probably stays in Detroit. I don't know if he can sign a two-way deal to be in Grand Rapids and still under contract in Detroit. But I feel like they – I mean, I don't think they would have called him up twice and then recalled him for a third time if they didn't like him. I think they see something, and I think Dwayne Casey's very good at developing talent. And there's something there in Donta Hall. I believe he's back with Detroit next season. So, again, I, th- I think we're feeling a little differently about a lot of these players, but the guys that I think are back are Dante Hall for sure, John Henson for sure, in Christian Wood is probably the third one that I would like to stay. And I think he has the best chance of staying of the other guys. I think Langston Galloway's out, which is unfortunate. I think Brandon Knight's out because he might cost too much money and he's injury prone. And then I think Jordan McRae, he's probably just going to look for another deal and just continue the journeyman career he is on. Do you have any final thoughts on this topic? 
I do. Um, and I was thinking about it as we, you were talking. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about Andre Drummond being the best free agent available. Is that Christian Wood now? Is Christian Wood the best? I don't. I haven't looked at the free agent class coming out. I don't have them memorized. So forgive me if there's a you know superstar coming out of there. But is it fair to say that Christian Wood might be the best free agent available? I mean, given that a team's not going to have to pay him a whole bunch because he's at the beginning stages of being a superstar. So he's not superstardom yet. You're not going to have to pay him like one, but you're going to get that work ethic, that superstar work ethic that he's shown in Detroit. I mean, is that is that fair to say that he might be the, the highest sought-after free agent coming out? Yeah, there's guys like Anthony Davis if he decides to opt out. There's oh, Brandon. Well, yeah. There's Brandon Ingram if he's restricted. Fred Van Vliet's on some list. Bogdan Bondanovich, but he's also restricted free agent. Andre Drummond has a player option. Montrez Harrell's there. Gordon Hayward with the player option. I don't agree with David Davis Bertris or Aaron Baines or even really DeMar DeRozan being a better prospect than Christian Wood as a free agent. No. This list that I'm looking at right now has Christian Wood as the 15th best player entering free agency. And I think he might be the youngest player in the top 15. So, honestly, I, 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 I might agree with you. Of guys that I think that are going to be legit free agents, Christian Wood's near mm-hmm. the top. Like, you can't, I don't think you can consider Anthony Davis a free agent at all. No. I believe it's a player option or he's on a one year deal. The dude's re signing in Los Angeles. He's going to be a Laker probably for the rest of his career. He just won the most games ever in his career for one season at 49 and there's still 20 games to play, you know, like, I mean, it's, you know, he likes the situation he's in, in Los Angeles. I don't see him leaving. So yeah, I think Christian Wood is probably the best prospect you have. That is a true free agent in his name. His phone is going to be ringing off the hook this off season. If you had to put right now, three teams that you think he goes to, do you have a list of three teams? My number one team I is po- my number one team is Portland, right now. I think they're going to probably Time lose. To replace Carmelo. Yeah, and then probably I think oh, we'll get into this in a second. But there's a former player that used to play with the Portland Trailblazers that Christian Wood reminds me of, who very similar skill set that I think Portland is missing and could probably use Christian Wood in that same role. I don't think he's as good as him, but very similar skill set. So I guess we can get into that. There was a video I was watching earlier in the week. Actually, I thought it was recommended. Well, it was recommended by you, the Rusty Buckets video. And they talk about three stars in the making. And they named Christian Wood. Well, he named Christian Wood. I think he's number two. And the only reason I'm coming up with this topic is because I don't like the comparison that he gave Christian Wood. I think it's too lofty. I think it's a bit ridiculous. I don't see it. They're they're very similar athletically, but they move differently. In Rusty Buckets, great YouTube content, by the way, he compared Christian Wood to Anthony Davis. Now, before we get into this, do you agree with that comparison? In some respects. I can see Anthony Davis and the tenacity around the rim and the always trying to dunk it. I can see Anthony Davis in the finesse. Um, That's a fair Anthony point. Anthony Davis is obviously a better shooter, um, but I, I see glimpses 
And now if we're talking about a superstar in the making, you know, I can see early Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was, you know, came in. He wasn't a great shooter, but he was that long guy that would dunk on you or finish with that finesse. So I see it in that aspect. I do. I mean, there. I get their whole rim thing. That is, like, he definitely tries to play above the rim. He flies in for rebounds. I, he's not as good as rebounder either, just because he doesn't have the body like Anthony Davis. Even though they're both long and lanky, Anthony Davis has a little bit more strength to him, more core strength. Like he just looks a little thicker than Christian Wood. That will come with time. The more working out you do, the more strength and conditioning that way will add to Christian Wood. But Anthony Davis is just a different athlete to me. He's a little bit more fluid. Christian Wood, he definitely plays with the confidence. And the other difference is, even though you mentioned Anthony Davis being a better shooter, Christian Wood, he takes a little bit more three-pointers. He's not afraid to take them. His shot looks, to me, just as good. And Christian Wood understands that it's either three points or it's in three feet of the basket. You know, Anthony Davis is prone to taking a lot of mid-range jumpers. That's the that's a difference in their games right there to me. And defensively, Anthony Davis is just a little bit better. But let me read off some more of these comparisons to you. And you just tell me which ones you agree with or which ones you disagree with. So we have Anthony Davis. We have current teammate John Henson. We have Channing Fry, which is eerily similar because they both shot 26% from the three in college. And they were both very good at running the floor as like gazelles. You know, they're like they're very good at running the floor in transition. Mm-hmm. Then there's LaMarcus Aldridge, which was the Portland Trailblazer comparison I was making. And then... There's Brandon Knight with a jump shot, which is interesting because Brandon Knight, very good around the basket, also a very good defender. And then the one I came up with, which is a poor man's Dirk Nowinski. And the reason I say that is because they're both lanky. They're both not great, great rebounders. They'll probably hover. Dirk, I think, hovered around eight or nine for his career, had a couple seasons where he had over 10. Christian Wood's very similar. But they're both good down low. They're creative in a lot of ways. And those dribble drives moves that Dirk Nowinski would do early in his career and actually kind of like midway through his career too where he'd pump fake, pump fake, pump fake, and then he'd put the ball on the ground. Christian Wood is very good at that, and it's it's eerily similar to me. So out of all those comparisons, which ones do you like? Which ones do you dislike? So disregarding the two Hall of Famers yeah. um, being Nowitzki and Anthony Davis, uh I think Christian was better than that whole list. Okay. All right. The the second person on that list was John Henson. Okay, I'll take Christian Wood over him. Also had Brandon Knight. Okay, I'll take Christian Wood over him too. I forget your third, uh, but out of that list, I Christian Wood is the most like Anthony Davis. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki is, again, I can see bits and pieces to the game with his turnaround fader, you know, in the mid-range. But he's a lot faster than Dirk was, and, and yeah, a lot he's more, more athletic. plays a lot more above the rim. Yeah, a lot of athletic. It's just it's different body types. You're getting into you know a science at that point. Christian Wood can just do things that Dirk Nowitzki can't do, and Dirk Nowitzki can do things Christian Wood can't do. You know, it's just that's how life goes. Uh, so out of that list, I'd say yeah. I mean, he's closest to Anthony Davis in in those respects. So you don't like the Channing Tate? I mean, I'm not saying – I think he's better than Channing Fry for sure. And, I mean, right now I think I would take 
Christian. Yeah, I would take Christian Wood over LaMarcus Aldridge, but do you see any similarities in their game is what I'm asking. Because I don't agree with the John Henson one or the Brandon Knight one. I think he's he is a combination of Channing Fry, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Anthony Davis. Like I would say those three, if you can take bits and pieces of their games, the only difference between those three guys, and I'll even throw in Dirk, is that their games are more redefined. Like, you can tell Christian Wood is still very raw. He doesn't have as much post moves as LaMarcus Aldridge. The athletic ability's there, but he's not as cerebral as Dirk. Like, Dirk could just feel space, like, with his back to you. Christian Wood's not at that point yet. But do you like the comparison of Shannon Fry and LaMarcus Aldridge? These aren't my comparisons, yeah. by the way. These are ones I found online. Well, good, because I won't feel so bad ripping them apart. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Channing Fry, you're going to compare a budding superstar, your words, not mine, you know, I'm not, not you, the video's words, we're talking about the video. Yeah. Um, you're going to compare a budding superstar to a player whose best season he averaged 12 points in the NBA, and that was his first season in 2005? Okay, no, he's not like Channing Fry. I don't, I don't, I don't like that comparison because he's better than Channing Fry in every aspect. Okay, Channing Fry meant a lot, and I'm not taking anything away from what he did in his career. But Channing Fry was not that. He's never been the same player to a team that Christian Wood is to the Detroit Pistons. Channing Fry's never been that player, so you can't compare the two, at least in my mind. Lamarcus Aldridge is is you're getting better because Lamarcus Aldridge had a really defined offensive game. We all know about his defense, but he was, again, one of the real pioneers of big men stepping out, you know. He was a guy that get, got drafted, I believe, around the same time as Drummond, I, I, maybe even a few years before. So he was a center that really adapted to the game, and I know he played some power forward as well. Um, but he, was a, he adapted to the game and became a shooter. But... I don't know. I mean, right now it's easy to say I'd take Christian Wood, but with Christian Wood being young and having that offensive game, can hit three, can hit the turnaround and fade and all that, but he's also faster than Lamarcus. Not not better on defense, but Christian Wood is playing against a higher athletic or, 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 or more of an athlete at the center position than what LaMarcus Aldridge has played for almost his whole career. These centers of today that are dragging LaMarcus out onto the perimeter, he's not as he's not as talked about now as that lockdown defender. He's not he hasn't been talked about in the recent years. You know, yeah. so you take LaMarcus outside of the paint and he can't really guard that much because he's a true big man. He is a large man and a big man. He's a center. And he's not like all Detroit centers are slim and, you know, fast. And he's one of the last remaining throwback centers. So, again, Christian Wood's game is not, I'm not trying to say better, but more evolved than LaMarcus Aldridge's game is. LaMarcus Aldridge is better on the defensive end but maybe not on the offensive end. LaMarcus Aldridge had more of a polished offense, but I guess what I'm trying to say is Christian Wood has more of an arsenal to 
No, I get that. I get that. I just kind of like they're just similar. They're just similar parts of their games that I like. Like, I don't necessarily agree with the Lamarcus Aldridge one. Mm-hmm. I get it though because the re- they can score at all three levels. Christian Wood's more a much better of an athlete. He doesn't have the body that Christian that Lamarcus Aldridge has. The only thing is, if like Christian Wood could take a little bit more of that game where he could kind of have more of a consistent jumper and score more consistently at all three levels. I could see that the Channing Fry comparison. I, the only thing I think about that is very lengthy guys, not afraid to protect the rim. I mean, Channing Fry obviously did not have the same career that Christian Wood's going to have, but the similarity is that they both ran the floor very well as athletes. And I think if Channing Fry had came in to the league three years ago, his career would be a little bit differently because he's built right. his his rookie year. It kind of showed flashes of what the NBA was going to be as a five man that just ran the floor, caught the ball in transition, shot the three ball. He didn't shoot that shoot it very well at the beginning of his career, but he's developed more into a consistent three point threat. And then the Anthony Davis comparison, I get it because they're both long and lanky. They're both athletes. They're both they can both do things that even modern big man today can't do. And it's it's ear it's eerie. So I guess I kind of agree with Anthony Davis comparison. I just think Christian Wood is very light. And then the Dirk, that was just my favorite. That's one I threw in there. Just because I see Christian Wood's game evolving into that more of cerebral Dirk Nowinski style where he's not going to rely on his athletic athleticism so much later on in his career. But if we're done with the comparisons, which I think we are, we can get ready to move on to the questions. I only have a couple. Unfortunately, a lot of people did not comment, so we just got three questions tonight. So here they are. Number one, this comes from Badanovitz. How effective would it be for NBA teams to send their young players over to the EuroLeague even if they aren't draft and stash, like a second-round pick instead of the G League playing in the European League? All right, I'm going to answer this real quick. I've thought about this a lot, and I've talked about this topic a ton on my old college radio show that I did a few years ago. And I would like it more if drafted players could stay in college. Like if you're not ready, just hang out in college. Like you could be drafted at 19, but they're like, listen, we don't think you're ready for the G league. It's a man's game. They're going to eat you up. You're not ready for the NBA. Stay a year or two in college, build your body, redefine these sets of skills and you'll be ready in a year or two. We'll reevaluate you. And by the way, you're still under contract. You're going to get paid even though you're in college. I would like something more like that. And honestly, I kind of like the system that's set up now because a lot of G League teams are ran and coached like their NBA parents. So Seiko, he's getting the same coaching. He's running the same offensive scheme in the G League that they run in Detroit. So I'll ask you the question, how effective would it be for NBA teams to send their young players over to the year? the Euro league, even if they aren't draft and stash like a second round pick instead of the G league, they play over in the Euro league. What are your thoughts on that question? Yeah. Who asked that question? Uh, but Donovan's dude, that's a great question. I've honestly never even thought about that or thought about that being an option. Yeah. Uh, so these are, this is purely just, you know, instincts, just thoughts coming up right now. I think if you could send players to the Euro League, um, you would have a lot. You would have a different game in that. 
Yeah. The Euro League is a lot faster game. It's a lot more polished, a lot more mid-range. They don't focus as, as much on the threes or dunks as the NBA does because the NBA is really a, 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 it's an entertainment at yeah. this point. It's, it's sports second. It's the storylines. It's the high-octane offense, the 130, 140 points. The drama. You know, Steph splat, yeah, Steph splashing 23s in a game, Clay Thompson going bananas, whatever. The drama, the beard versus Giannis, you know, that, that whole thing coming up. So I, I think you would have a better product in the NBA if you could do that. Now, I don't – it's hard to say because you brought up a really good – uh, uh, opinion with it being, or, or not even an opinion, it's a fact, you know, drafting a player and having him learn your system as fast as possible is, is very important. So you send him to that Euro League, and you obviously can't ask them to run your system. So they're, they're running a different, different offense, and then they get back to the U.S. ball, and it's a different game. So if you could do that for, for every player and that was more of a, a feeder, like let's take the G League out of it, maybe that doesn't exist. And the NBA looks to pull players strictly from, from Euro teams or uh, Australian leagues. Uh, there's some teams and there's some leagues in Spain that are said to be some top-notch. You know, there's, so there's leagues all around that would really help players. And I do think it'll be a better product, but I don't think it'll ever happen because of the whole our system, he's our player, we're gonna groom him type of thing. Yeah, also in Europe they're not they don't cater toward the individual. It's not a one on one isolation game. It's very team oriented. Pass the ball around, look for the best shot, use as much shot clock as you possibly can. Like Ricky Rubio, I think he only averaged like six points a game as a starting point guard over in European League, and then Brandon Knight, who was almost a 20-point scorer in the NBA, averaged like seven or eight, I think, his one season over in Italy. It's just a different game. I love the structure. I love the fundamentals. I love the team aspect that they play in, but they just don't do it in the NBA. And I think drafting and stashing in college or you know, using like Seiko, perfect example, just having him play in the G League, let him build his confidence, let him get some reps in the offense, and then bring him up. It works. So moving on, crisscross. This is it's from him. So two questions. One, one second. Okay, go on. So, so maybe we can we can solve this here. How come we were able? And I, I honestly don't know this. And again, because of this question, it just made me think of it. How come we were uh, able to draft Servetus, and he was able to stay in the Euro League a, a whole another year? Um, I think it's because he was just still under contract, and they have. They can do that with European oh, players because okay. they use technically like you're going to own his rights for when he comes over to the NBA. I think they used to I do, but I think they used to do this in college because I believe Larry Bird was drafted in like 1978, but then he came over in 1979 and he was still playing for Indiana State. And that's when they decided to change the rule like, wait a minute, you have to draft players that are in the draft, not still in college. I think that's what Red Auerbach did. I could be wrong, but I thought. They drafted him the year before he came out, but he played one more yeah, year of college. The, that's the whole bird rights thing, right? Like you have the rights to that player when he comes over. Or am I am I confused? With that? Bird rights, I think, is if you can offer a player more money than any other team if they've played on your 
team for like three or more years. I think oh, I could okay. be wrong. I don't know too much about contracts, but real quick, yeah, me neither. Let's get to uh, yeah. I mean, we're just you know, we're just sharing our opinions. That's what we're here to do. But uh, we're not geniuses at this stuff. We're close though. So Chris Cross asked, "Will the Pistons ever let Casey go?" Because Seiko's interview really did sum up what Casey has done with the Pistons. And then his second question is, did it hurt seeing the ex-Pistons play in the L.A. Derby on Sunday? So this is interesting, but if you're looking for Casey to be out as the coach next season, that's not going to happen. I think he's going to be here for next season and probably the season after that. He got to the playoffs his first year. He probably would have been in the playoffs or at least in the playoff hunt this season if it weren't for all the injuries. I think Seiko's comments were – he was just disappointed. He had played well in the G League. He came back up to the NBA, and I honestly don't know what people want from what I don't know what people want from Seiko playing with the Pistons. He's not going to have a larger role. His role is to set screens, shoot corner threes, and run in transition. And I'm all for that. That's just what I want to see Seiko do. I want to see him build up his confidence. I don't want to see him get destroyed by other NBA players. He's 19 years old. This team will be his in a number of years if he continues to develop. So do I think Casey's out as the next coach? Absolutely not. I think he's going to be here for a couple more seasons. What are your thoughts on that? So I, I've been pretty vocal online uh, with the fire Casey crowd. Yeah. I got into it with them not, not too long ago. Um, but I don't think that the Pistons are going to let Casey go. No, I, I don't think that's the case. But that Seku interview really did open my eyes. I believe his quotes were, if the coach wants me to sit in the corner and take threes, that's what I'll do, but that's not my game. You know, so at, at some point, a good coach, I, I will always remember this story, LaMarcus Aldridge in Greg Popovich. You know, LaMarcus came to, to Pop and said trade me you know i want out of here you're you know i obviously can't do what you want me to do and it's not working out and greg popovich said give me the rest of the year and changed his entire coaching scheme yep entire scheme to fit lamarcus's game and the spurs took off so that's what a good coach does. yeah a good coach has to play to that strong that that the strong things the player are good at and then develop the things that the player are weaker at in practice in the offseason. So I, I I don't, I'm not going, I'm not turning my back on Casey just yet, but it does leave the door open and you can tell me if I'm crazy, but maybe he's not the developmental coach we thought he we oh. give him a lot of credit for developing uh, Pascal. We give him a lot of credit, but was that him with, with him every day? Or was that assistant coaches? Was that private trainers? You know, and I don't know. I'm not, look, it's, I'm not bashing the man, and I'm not saying he was instrumental to the success. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't at practice. Dwayne Casey could have took Pascal Siakam under his wing and and worked with him every single day. I don't know. All I can judge is what the players are saying in interviews. And the players, at least Seiko, doesn't seem too happy with the way his coach is using. Now, 
Seku's a rookie, and Dwayne Casey's got some pull in this week. All right, so might want to walk back those comments just a bit and kind of keep it under wraps. I think that's more of a thing you kind of you go to your coach to in the office when he's by himself. You close the door, you walk in and sit down and say, Coach, these are the things I'm good at. I have it on film, and these are the things that you're asking me to do. Is there anything I can do or anything that we can work on to maybe suit my game a little bit? And he may say no. He might say, Segu, this is just a this is a throwaway year. You know, I want you to really work on corner threes because that's not what your game is right now. And I want you to work on them in game time decisions. You you have to take three threes, three corner threes a game. That is something that really could be being set. No, and you know, there, there there's a difference between game time and practice time, and I'll let you think or I'll let you you take it from here. Yeah, no, and exactly. Like Dwayne Casey could be saying, you want to get on the floor? This is what I need you to do. I need you to set screens. I need you to shoot corner threes because that's the only way you're going to be in the NBA. That's the only way you're going to be on this team. I mean, not on this team, but in the games right now. That's what I need from you. I got floor spacers. I got Christian Wood. He's our guy. He's been playing well. We're trying to build on what he's doing. We need. If you want to be on the floor with him, you need to learn to – space the floor it's not your team yet we'll we'll reevaluate you we'll give you what you need to work on in the offseason to contribute more on the offensive end but for right now i'm telling you as the coach i promise you if you do these things you're gonna play and eventually your role will increase but i need you to buy in what we're doing right now that's all i think it was and i think it's bad of seiko to really just kind of come out and publicly say that against Dwayne Casey, you have any thoughts are on? Are we starting to get a yeah? Are we starting to get a feud? Dwayne Casey has made some public comments about Seku. Seku made some public comments about Casey. Now he might not be in Detroit much longer, depending on how much this is really boiling over. Now, with this being a social media driven time, and you know we live in 2020, where it's not real if it's not on the internet yet, and you know you can't hide much from the internet. I think if there were some rumblings going on and, and fake who was trying to lead this revolt against Casey, we wouldn't know about it. Yeah. But there's been some comments publicly tossed at each other back and forth between coach and player. And I really think these are issues that, as grown men, you have to sit down in a room, close the door, and you don't come out until they're hashed out. Because you can't have a locker room disturbance. And... Casey has enough tenure in this league to not have to deal with that. You know, you can't come in. It, there's a few players, there's a few coaches in this league that it's their way or the highway. Greg Popovich is one. Brad Stevens is one. There's there's a couple more in the league and Dwayne Casey. Yep. They, there's not going to be a player saying, I don't like Dwayne Casey, like the Cavs did the Beeline, and the, they just fired yeah, that's not why Casey would get fired if he was to get fired. Yeah, and I think so if, it, I guess I guess I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do you think about these these public comments this kind of pitter patter back and forth between coach and player? Publicly? I think it's I I think it's I was just thinking about this. I think it's a good way of a coach and a player getting through to each other. Maybe they don't really understand each other and they don't have that line of communication just quite yet but also if Seiko had shown more promise like if he was like a 15 point scorer as a rookie 
I would fear more of Dwayne Casey being fired. But right now he's averaging six points a game. He's shown some flashes, but also he's shown a lot of inconsistency. He hasn't shown a lot of fire. And I would be really interested to see if, like, Pascal Siakam and Dwayne Casey had any feuds in Toronto. Like, that was, you know, talked about more, like, uh, locally than nationally. But um, I want to get into the second part of this question. Did it hurt seeing the ex-Pistons play in the L.A. Derby on Sunday? First of all, L.A. Derby, we're not talking about a race or anything. It's the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Clippers. I think they played this past weekend, and you had Reggie Jackson, Marcus Mm -hmm. Morris, Markeith Morris, they all played in the game. I'm sure I'm missing a few Pistons. And I'll just I'll answer this real quick. Yeah, it hurt a little bit because it shows what this Pistons team could have been if they were healthy. You know, if you had a healthy Reggie Jackson, if you had Markeith Morris and you had, just say, Blake Griffin, all those guys together playing at the highest of their levels, yeah, this team could have been dangerous. That's what hurts. That's what sucks because there was something that was being built in Detroit that we it didn't get to manifest the way we wanted to see it because of all the injuries, and that's just what happened. So I'm asking, did did it hurt you at all to see these guys on new teams and playing at a high level? It made me happy because that's a, good a lot too. of these guys playing on new teams, ex Pistons are playing well. Uh, Morris is, is he struggled a little bit to find his role, but he he's playing well. Reggie is starting. For the Clippers, some games, yeah, uh, and, and playing well in that starting role, it, almost like when you put a good team around Reggie Jackson, he's actually a really good point guard. But that's for another podcast, I'm sure. Um, but it, these guys are playing well. I'm excited for them. I'm excited to see some Pistons that you know we see. We've seen Pistons have success like Chris Middleton, but. These, these are guys that have been around the organization for a minute, you know, excluding maybe Marquise um, yeah. and, and some other guys. But like Reggie Drummond, he's not having the best time of his life, but he got traded to Cleveland. Well, so stuck in Cleveland. Yeah. Right, yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, it's it's Ohio. Yeah, it's that nasty I mean, state down south. that place anymore? <laughs> right, like, what do they even do anymore in Ohio? Like, obviously not win anything. No, obviously not. I shouldn't say that, but. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get some some Cubs fans coming coming at us. But hey, oh, sorry, mean, I don't watch baseball. You mean Cleveland? Yeah, you clearly don't because Cubs are in Chicago. <laughs> but uh, just, <laughs> whatever. No, you're you're good though. You're good, and I think that's a great way to end this podcast. Thanks for everybody yeah. that asked us questions. Thanks for listening. You can check out Off the Field Podcast on 1660thefan.com, on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment, give us a rating. More importantly, hit that subscribe button.